The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to the Liberty Alert with Gregory Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberties here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, old biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Gregory Sellis. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the Liberty Alert all across the country. I'm Dr. Gregory Seltz. Welcome to our program where every week we take on the issues that matter to people of faith. And one of the places where the culture war, if you want to use that kind of terminology, the culture war is raging, is in our military. The the secularization of our military and using the military almost like a petri dish for cultural issues, which is not what the military is supposed to be. It's supposed to be our defensive fighting force for the sake of all people. But right now, religious liberty is a huge issue there. I mean, people are losing their commission, for instance, over the vax mandates. We've talked about that on this program. And people are also being punished, both service people as well as the chaplains being punished for holding traditional values concerning things like marriage or sexual practice or any of those kinds of things. So today we are privileged to have on uh, the program the director of the ministry to the armed forces of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Chaplain Craig Mueller. And I know that you're a retired captain, but how do they, how do they address you? Are you still chapter or are you chaplain or are you director Mueller now? Well, most people call me chaplain. Yeah. Okay. Kind, of, kind of that culture, you know, once in the Navy, always in the Navy, I guess. Once in the Navy, always in the Navy. I like hearing it. Craig, it's great to be with you. And, you know, we go back a ways and, and I really do appreciate the work that you do. I love the tradition of the chaplaincy in the military. I think it goes to the heart of the question, again, of the limits of the state, you know, science, politics, economics, and even winning wars. None of that ultimately saves us, and that's why there's this thing called the providence of God, the moral demands of God, and even the grace of God that transcends all of that. And I think the tradition of the chaplaincy, our founding fathers, they were actually illustrating that as they, as they put chaplains to work amidst some of the most difficult things. So tell us, why do guys do this? Why do they, why do they become a part of this uh, so they can be in the midst of the battle, but with no weapons? Well, thanks, Greg. I think uh, what you hit on, it is just amazing when you think about how the military and our government, you know, with all the confusion now about the First Amendment, you know, the the government overreach or not overreach, how we've worked so well with chaplains in the military and been able to walk that line uh, very carefully. And as you just mentioned, it's a, I had one of my generals who always said he kept his lawyer, his JAG, Judge Advocate General close and his chaplain closer. I like that. Because he says sometimes even the law of war allows it, it might not be the moral thing to do. Right. Sometimes it may be legal and I'll stay out of jail, but maybe we should uh, talk about, as you mentioned, the spirituality, the moral, the right thing to do in some situations. So it's really kind of cool how the military has been able to, to have the chaplains wear both devices, you know, the, the religious insignia on one collar and then the rank on the other, and to truly work that pluralistic environment of cooperate without compromise, being able to, you know, basically do what you do as a chaplain, right. provide spiritual care um, and follow the tenets of your faith, your religious uh, organization. So I think that's why I did it too. I think it's uh, when I signed up 
to be a Navy chaplain. You know, I was a small preacher's kid. I always joke and say, I'm really a theologian's offspring. <laughs> okay. I think much more cool, you know, yeah. out of out of South Dakota, you know, five sisters, three brothers, just the typical rural America, Lutheran upbringing, right? Okay. Pretty sheltered life. Never seen the ocean, never flew in an airplane. And wow. uh, you know, my predecessors many years ago came to the seminary at St. Louis when I was there and uh, talked about this kind of ministry. I thought this was really cool. You wow. know, what a way to serve your country and God and the eternal youth group, if you will. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you think about the medics in in uh, the military, too. I mean, they're running around trying to heal bodies that are in the midst of battle. And you guys are the spiritual medics. I mean, that's who you guys are. And, you know, you're much more than the father Mulcahy. He's kind of sitting, you know, back in the tent. You're the spiritual medics that are coming to the aid of the people you serve. Absolutely. That's I mean, we, we we're right with them wherever they are. And again, right. that's all because of why we survived all these constitutional and legal challenges, because it's the free exercise of our, our service members. They have the right, the religious liberty that our Constitution protects. They don't hang it up at the door when they join, you know, when they go to boot camp or officer candidate school or the academies, they don't hang up their faith and say, now I'm neutral, I'm secular. You know, they still are American citizens with their First Amendment rights to worship according to the tenets of their faith. And uh, that's what chaplains do, you know, for the commanders to make sure that that happens. Well, and, you know, I like to say that you guys are the front line for those of us in the religious liberty battles, too, because if the chaplains can properly differentiate these things and still uh, strive for excellence and make sure that combat readiness is not affected and all those different things. Uh, if, if they can maintain that religious liberty there, then then the culture probably survives these challenges, too. But if you guys get knuckled under, I think the, the next wave of that hits our, our preschools, our schools, and then ultimately our churches. And I think you guys are, are you signed off on an amicus brief with the Coach Kennedy case. Is that correct? That's one of the ways where you are in the battle with us. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. For Chapman Alliance for Religious Liberties, an organization that uh, I'm a member of, but there's several endorsers uh, who are members of this. And this is one of those cooperate without compromise. We're all about religious liberty for all people. That's what our emphasis is on. And so we were asked to, for an abacus brief on the Coach Kennedy case because um, it's obviously the lawyers can do detail it much better than I can, but the slippery slope idea that if a government official can't take a knee at the 50 yard line and pray on his own and others can't join him on their own voluntarily, you know, what's, is that a small leap to say, what about a bunch of soldiers about ready to go on patrol? There's no chaplain available. So the senior uh, person on the ground takes a knee and says, Hey, I'm going to pray. If you guys want to join me, that'd be great. And they'd say, well, you're a higher rank. So that's undue influence. You're, <laughs> you're forcing me to pray or, yeah. or something like that. You know, <laughs> so there's always that slippery slope if we're trying to regulate people's religious liberties, you know, to the ability to, to pray to their God, you know, in right. accordance to their faith. And so, you know, we, you know, some people say, well, maybe that's a strong leap, but I think it's, you know, it is a slippery slope. And people don't understand the, the church actually functions as a curb of the state's power for the sake of you as an individual. And so, like you said, that doesn't mean we don't serve anybody uh, who comes into our tent, but that means we also uh, have an integrity in our service, right? 
Absolutely. And I think the way you said it, you know, I'll steal the Navy's version of it, but all service branches have it, is that we we provide for our own. We certainly do. You know, I'm a Lutheran pastor when I was on active duty, so I provided Lutheran uh, divine services. But I also, as a Protestant in their definition, would provide Christian Bible studies. So that's provision piece. Okay. But in my battalion of a thousand Marines, you know, I have a whole t- diversity. So I make sure the Catholic kids are able to go to the priest or the priest can come to them, the Mormons, uh, the more, the Muslim, the, the uh, Jewish Marines. That's what it's all about. Facilitate for others to make sure that they have the free exercise of religion without compromising mine or pretending to be, you know, what I'm not, what I'm not. But to right. get on your point too, Greg, I think is also, but th- there's a lot of those who may have no faith at all or not very active, but we care for all. Anybody right. that walks into our chaplain's office is treated with dignity and respect love and care, and we'll provide whatever we can to make sure uh, that they're taken care of without compromising, you know, my integrity, you know, my religious conscience or ordination vows, if you will, if that for us, at least that's an important piece of that. Yeah. And you know, that's what, and I wish I could explain to the church out there, a lot of these issues that we're going to now talk about are couched in terms of love and care. And we, we have no problem loving and caring to, to whatever degree we can for people. But there's a political aspect of this now. And so in things like the gender issues in the military, there's a political dimension now where if you don't espouse a certain issue or if you don't espouse it a certain way, you will not be able to be the chaplain in, in service to people. And in some sense, uh, that's what we're seeing with the vax mandates or the gender issues. We're beginning to hear, well, if you don't adhere to this way of thinking about marriage or this way of thinking about sexuality, uh, then you cannot serve no matter whom you're serving. And I think that's that's what we're fighting against. We're fighting against the permission to be in the mix. Right, absolutely. And I think that, you know, obviously, uh, it's not quite in the news anymore with our whole situation with Ukraine and, and so forth. But as you mentioned, the vaccination issue is still a big issue in the military only because it hasn't been resolved yet. As you've had on your program, uh, Mike Berry, who's a good friend of ours from first Liberty, who's uh, fighting for that case with the Navy side anyway, with the seals. And now it's a class action suit, but your point is well taken. Our chaplains were part of that interview process at the very beginning for every service member who had a religious you know, request or accommodation. They're just having a sit down and we're not to judge them and not right. to give them the Spanish inquisition or said, are you really a Lutheran? Can you say right. the catechism? Well, then I don't think you can, you know, whether I personally as chaplain Craig Mueller got to vaccination or not, is not the issue. It's that person in front of me has the religious uh, right, according to the constitution, to appeal and say, I have a deeply held conscience and faith that won't allow me to do this. And I want to seek an exemption to that based on my individual liberty. So it's not a judgment of whether I do agree with them or not agree with them, but it's to make sure that they have <clears throat> the opportunity to request that accommodation. I think that kind of got blown up proportion. I think that's where, you know, Mike Berry's case and others are, have a real good case is just because none are being approved. Well, uh, medical and administrative ones. So it's crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We had the administrative, the medical, and those are being approved. And the one that has First Amendment protections is not being approved. And and again, you know, too, we, we, we've had other in, individuals on the, on the program, too, at least their wives, because uh, they couldn't necessarily speak to it personally because they're in the middle of the, uh, of the process. 
But, you know, I would ask, have you had COVID? Oh, yeah. Do you have the antibodies? Yeah. So there's this capricious law that just suddenly says either you do what we tell you to do or you're out. And we're sitting there going, but that doesn't make them less ready. That doesn't make them. I mean, they actually have more immunity than if they got vaccinated. What's the see? That's what we were struggling with, too. This just capricious. We've just decided to tell you this. Now, either you do it or you're out. And that's the kind of stuff that the Constitution protects against. Again, our you know great Lutheran theology helps us there with the fancy word adiaphron, you know, we would say, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got to explain, God, wait, 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 God. you got to, before you go on, okay. you have, you, this is a DC audience, man. You, you know, okay. Adiaphron, what oh, are yeah. these? God, hey, tell them what it is. Right. Yeah, God, God doesn't either forbid it or uh, command it. So right. it's really a Christian conscience issue. And that's this vaccination thing falls right in there. Right. You know, so as again, as a chaplain, it, you know, my job is to make sure I don't bind the conscience of my young sailor service member, Marine, whoever's in front of me and, you know, say, Hey, you're sinning. You're going to kill your neighbor right. or not to bind their conscience by saying, you know, you're doing a vaccination that was used in abortion. You know, I'm not to, it's not my job. I'm there to protect their individual Liberty. You right. know? Again, I'm not a lawyer. This is just a religious thing. I think the frustrating thing for us, I think from looking outside in now is the chaplains are in it at the ground, you know, the first interview. Right. But after that, and, and we've heard that a lot of commanders even recommended approval at the local level. Oh. It's, just, it's just that when it gets up to the uh, higher levels, you know, the, the decision's been made, obviously, as we're seeing. And that's thus the lawsuits that they're not really even considering them. And I don't know, you know, what role the chaplain plays after that. You know, it's above okay. my pay as we say. <laughs> <laughs> but I know at the... At the you know, at the tactical level, our chaplains have worked hard. If all faith groups, the ones that I know, friends and colleagues, of ensuring that these young men and women have a fair hearing, and that's why they're frustrated because they really thought this person was sincere. They they really they're not trying to get out of work. They're not trying right. to pull one over the eyes. They just really believe that this is not the the thing God wants them to do, and then they're just told denied. You know, with the <laughs> well, that now that's good for me to understand too, because I was wondering, you know, at what level. So you're saying on the ground level, and that's again where you you all are doing your your best work. Um, what's interesting to me, and I don't know if this is going to affect you later, and I hope it does, and I hope some of these lawsuits clarify. I was talking to Kelly Shackelford of First Liberty, and he was talking. Uh, we had him on interviewing on on some of these school choice cases. And he said, this is the best time for religious liberty in our country from a, a legal point of view. And I said, oh, you got to explain that. I said, because that's not what I see. He goes, no, no, no. He said, a lot of things that are that are issues that are out there right now, they're going to be worked out because the Bladensburg case flipped this whole thing back to what it used to be, which is protecting the church from the state. The Lemon Law was kind of gutted. You know, that's where you had to prove as a Christian why we should actually uh, accommodate you in these state issues. Now it's they got to prove why they need to why this question needs to be litigated from their point of view. And he was already talking about how major scenes on public property and all that kind of stuff that used to just be completely wiped out. He said, no, you can do those things. Those are natural expressions of your community. You can do those things. So I'm hoping that if you guys can just hang in there and keep doing your work on the ground, that some of it's kind of like VJ day, you know, the victory over Japan day was declared, but they were still battling on the islands, you know, and you guys are still battling on the islands. 
Um, so I guess maybe the next question for me is how, how is the morale then of the chaplains on no, the ground with their people? That. I appreciate you saying that a lot, Craig. That's important because that's one of my roles as an endorsing agent for the Missouri Senate chaplains, especially is how are they being taken care of pastorally? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're all doing well. I think the frustrating thing for them is, again, they they really feel, you know, who's going to take care once this is denied? You know, it's almost like they're getting thrown out and uh, almost, I don't hate to put it in the whole phrase of uh, traumatized, but you know, here's an organization they'd signed up for, they gave their life to, uh, willing to die for it. And then they're kicked out because they really don't do believe in their heart of hearts and conscience that this is not good for them, you know, that, that against their religious faith. And now who's going to take care of them on the other end, you know, if they lose all that. And, and I know our chaplains do that as we started out earlier in our conversation saying that chaplains always care for people regardless of what they're going through. So there will be right. chaplains walking through them, however this ends. Like- and I think that's one of the reasons why my organization exists is to make sure that the litigation part where people can't just get steamrolled by the government, yours is also the, the morale and moral part and spiritual part so that they understand who they are outside of that battle so that they have the strength to battle back if they need to. I mean, this is important stuff for, for each one of these folks. You know, what you were just saying uh, triggered something in my mind. And that is, you know, we don't have a corporate statement on the vaccines. Like if you want to say, what's the LCMS statement? It's kind of like an Adiaphora thing. There's there, you know, you can come to the conclusion of getting one or not getting one and both be faithful in, in, a, in a certain way. But that's what, again, the, the, the foundation of the constitutional protections, that's why they're not corporate. They're individual. Um, so it doesn't matter whether the LCMS finally says we have this. So now you can fight back. It, it's that you as an individual have that that freedom. Well, in closing, you know, when you talk about the chaplaincy, there may be a pastor out there or there may be even a service member out there who who you know, tell them why it's such an, a vital thing now. In spite of all these challenges, in spite of some of the bad politics and all the things that are out there, why is this something that's that important to do? Well, because our Young men and women who selflessly serve our nation deserve the free exercise of religion. They need pastors. And of course, we, as representing the Missouri Senate, our Lutheran young men and women need a pastor to receive the word and sacrament ministry. And they're going to be deployed in austere and isolated, deployed situations where they're not going to be able to receive that if we don't have chaplains uh, ministering to them. And I think that's, you know, the, the end of the day at, when this whole thing is settled, I hope. And pray that the reputation of the chaplain has not been uh, ruined, you know, because every chaplain interviewed people uh, hmm. through this. But I think the sailor on the ground, the Marine, the airman, the Coast Guardsman, soldier knows that their chaplain across from them really does care about them. And they are helping them walk through this. And that's the kind of thing. So I encourage any young pastor who's uh, even thought about this to think about being a military chaplain because, and we need you. As you can tell in the world right now, right? <laughs> there's ru- wars and rumors of war, and they need their pastors with them. You know, I looked, I just was enjoying reading some of our history of World War II, how our, our church really amped it up doing a call. You know, the Uncle Sam sign that said, I want you, you know, right. our city did the same thing. We need you to go with our young men to, you know, World War II was mostly men then. And they so they said, we need you to go with our boys. They yeah. need their pastors. You know, we say the same thing now. We need pastors to go with our men and women. They can't just get outside and, you know, find a Missouri Senate church or even a Christian church sometimes. 
Well, you know, it was interesting that you even said that about World War II because, again, our culture is under, you know, the identity politics and all the nonsense that's in our culture, too. That's germ. Those were Germans going back to fight Germans, and they wanted to take care of the American Germans who were doing that, and they wanted to be honorable, faithful, and they wanted to be faithful to the scripture. And again, that's the kind of stuff. There, there's there's things that transcend. There's things that call us to do the right thing, uh, no matter what. And I think what you're talking about is the spiritual dimension. If there's any place where it needs to be, it needs to be on the front lines of people hacking each other to death, you know, in, in, in one to hopefully protect the right thing from the bad guys who are trying to take the right thing to suddenly evacuate the moral dimension of that or the spiritual dimension of that as if it doesn't matter or doesn't exist. It, it seems to illustrate that our nation is a bit on the decline because that was the thing that was first and foremost in, in General Washington's mind when he thought about even revolution or not revolution. It had to do with the providence of God and the spiritual dimension that would judge us all in the end if we didn't fight for the right thing. And you chaplains are the ones that are actually keeping that front and center of not only our leaders, but then also front and center in the hearts and minds of our fighting folks on the ground. If they want to get to know more about what you do, because I know what you do and what I do um, can intersect, but a lot of times you're fighting the battles more directly to the military. I'm fighting them more on the Hill, uh, even if they do intersect. How can they get to know more about what you're doing, Craig? Well, the best thing to do, of course, is you go to our website at lcms.org slash armed forces, or just uh, email us at lcmschaps at lcms.org. Pretty easy, just lcmschaps at lcms.org. And we'd be glad to engage with you. If you have a service member who's going through a struggle and they need a chaplain, if you're listening to this program, you know, reach out to us. We can connect them to a, a chaplain. Or again, I am paid to be parochial. So if you're a young pastor out there listening, <laughs> we need you. So <laughs> email me, call me. <laughs> well, and, and just to close this down too, folks, uh, we work with a lot of people. So uh, there's there's the spiritual dimension of this, and that's something that we're on the case and Chaplain Mueller's on the case with that, and he can connect you. But we're also working with people like Alliance Defending Freedom. We're working with politicians on the Hill. That's what I do. And uh, that's what he does as well. And, and sometimes we can point you to resources like that for you as well. So you don't feel like you're alone talking about Mike Berry and First Liberty. And, and, and I was talking about Shackelford and First Liberty. And we were with all different folks on the Hill uh, because these are battles that if you lose them, you, you lose the individual liberty and you lose then the spiritual dimension that I still think makes America unique in what it is. And so if you are interested in this kind of information, all you have to do is go to Chaplain Mueller's website or the LCMS Armed Forces website. And all those resources and all those potential partnerships uh, are can be available to you, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, it's been my pleasure to have you on the program. Any last words, uh, Craig, that you might want to share with our listeners about uh, the chaplaincy, its challenges, and how it actually serves the church, even at large? No, I just really appreciate all the prayers. You know, our church has a strong and storied history of understanding the church and state and supporting the idea of a vocation of a, a profession of arms. You know, our men and women who answer the call of our nation. So we're grateful for all those young men and women who selflessly serve our nation and the pastors and congregations who continue to sacrifice to make sure they receive the gifts of God. So I, I'm just grateful for our church's prayers and support. And um, 
we just got to keep going because the devil is a prowling lion. He's a prowling lion. <laughs> and there's sometimes we just got to stop him in his tracks. And that's why the state, that's why the police force, that's why our military are necessary uh, so that the church can keep preaching the good news of God freely so that everybody can hear. Uh, so again, thanks, uh, Craig, thanks for your service and thanks for the work that you do. And if there's any way that we can be uh, even of more service to you, please let us know. And and thank you for the for battling religious liberty, because I know you protect our churches, our schools, uh, even if you're not doing it for them, uh, battling it in the military actually is good for all of us. So God bless you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for your work and your organization being a partner in this valid and important fight. We're in it together. Take care, man. Thanks for, having, thanks for being here today. You bet. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRL DC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Gregory Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Alert with Dr. Gregory Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 